This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Limsu. And we are back with our monthly Ask a Doctor segment. And to kickstart the year, we will be focusing on skin health for today's show. So here to answer your questions today is Dr. Dr. Norzami Azizan, a consultant dermatologist. So from questions about skincare to skin conditions, any concerns that you have about today's topic, you can ask us. You can call us at 7733 you can WhatsApp us at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899 or you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Dr. Zami, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, Sue, and thank you for inviting me over. Uh, the pleasure is ours. Now, we've already asked some of our listeners what questions um, they'd have for a dermatologist on our social media. And, you know, we've received quite a few um, from our followers there. So I'm going to kickstart this conversation um, with one of the most common skin concerns that people have, and that's acne. Um, and so someone asked, I'm almost 40 years old and I still get pimples every now and then. Um, and I feel like a lot of people would resonate with that. So why does this still happen? Well, first of all, you know, is it actual pimples or is it something else? Mm. Okay, so sometimes uh, you have like little lumps and bumps. It may not be pimples. Mm. Uh, some people do have these lumps and bumps due to acne rosacea. And it's acne, but it's not actual acne vulgaris, which is pimples. Yeah, so, you know, first of all, I say, is it actual pimples or is it, are we dealing with something else? But having said that, when you're in your 40s, you may still get pimples, mm. okay? Even, um, uh, like, I sometimes do get one or two pimples and I'm kind of, like, reaching menopause. So it's not really uh, uncommon, uh, partly because uh, there is this thing we call um, middle-age acne vulgaris. That mm. means people, you know, in their 40s or even their 50s may even get, um, or 30s may even get pimples. And I think one of the most common reasons is what we apply on our face. Mm. Okay, So I think sometimes we do apply lots of um, cosmetics and especially cosmetics where it just clog your pores. And those are the ones that may be contributing to your pimples. So sometimes we do call this acne cosmetica. Mm. So it's due to the cosmetics rather than because of hormonal uh, problem in teenagers. Mm -hmm. So, well, then again, you probably say, oh, don't worry, I'm still a teenager, so it's okay to have one or two little bumps. But if it's a lot, especially in females, and mainly around the mouth, mm -hmm. perioral acne. So sometimes I say, look at your cosmetics again and then check because we are in a humid country. If you use something like what is being used in people like living in Switzerland or something like that, it may not be suitable for you. Mm. So I think sometimes we see cosmetics that say they're imported from certain European countries. So that may not, even though that may be quality cosmetics, it yes. may not be suitable for this climate. Yes, that's quite true. So look at, you know, as I look at your cosmetic and then look at, you know, especially when you're in your 30s, you may not need too much of um, what we call lipid cosmetics. That means those are oily cosmetics. Mm. So, you know, as you probably need them when you're in your 60s or 70s when you have lots of wrinkles. When you're 30s, you may 
may still produce the oil layer of your skin. So you may need to just you know cut down on those uh, fatty, uh, rich uh, cosmetics, and they can be quite expensive. And sometimes some of my patients are using like La Mer, and I think you know it may not be suitable for you in this climate. Mm. So if I could add on to that, Doctor Zalmi, sometimes we we always see products that are um, directed at you, depending if you have dry, sensitive, or normal skin. How do you know which of those you are? Well, I think first of all, you know yourself. You know, I always say, okay, at twelve o'clock in the afternoon, what do you feel your skin is? Mm. You know, and you know when you're walking around, do you feel like as if you know you're an oil production company, and then you <laughs> kind of like just can squeeze the oil out of your face? Mm-hmm. So you know, you know. What your skin is. So at 12 o'clock, you feel, God, if I, you know, like I'm oily, so I have an oily skin. And, you know, some people just have oil layer at the T-zone. That's Mm -hmm. because your oil gland, or we call the sebaceous gland, are concentrated on that region. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, those areas, as I said, they might be producing lots of oil. And then when they produce lots of oil, your whole face may be oily at 12 o'clock. But, you know, let's say you have sensitive skin and most of the time when you have sensitive skin, you may have what we call an eczematous prone skin. Mm -hmm. So that means you have dry skin. And if you have a history of eczema when you were young or even atopy with asthma or family history of asthma or allergic rhinitis, that means you may be suffering from dry skin rather than an oily skin. Mm. So, you know, you can tell. And then it depends on the skin that you have. So what cosmetics will be suitable for you? So not one cosmetic suits for all types of skin. Mm. All right. Um, we also have another question on, uh, also on pimples, asking, is it possible to eliminate pimples without using drugs, creams or medication? Um, well, some people, as I say, first of all, why are you having pimples? Mm. Okay, is it because you are having it pimples because you're using uh, products that's not suitable for you? So if you change your products, you may be able to eliminate this because you're having pimples because of cosmetics. Mm. So these are acne, acne cosmetics. So you may not necessarily need to treat mm. the pimples, you're just eliminating what causes it. Yeah, what it. causes it. So then, you know, you can eliminate. Um, so um, sometimes, you know, as I say, uh, pimples can be cyclical, mm. um, especially a hormonal type, mm-hmm. you know, and um, especially near their menses. And, you know, they get better on its own, mm-hmm. you know, so you may not need to um, use any of the screams or even uh, oral medication. So that is another thing. And then avoid things that may aggravate pimples, you know. So sometimes stress or lack of sleep and things like that, they can aggravate pimples. And even... um, certain products we call high glycemic index food. Mm. Um, and I sometimes see patients who um, do a lot of uh, weight training and then they actually on this protein shake and sometimes that may actually aggravate pimples, mm. whey protein. So, you know, those are the things that you may not need to use uh, medications and it can get better on its own because you're eliminating what causes the pimple. Mm, all right. Um, on the topic of food, uh, Dr. Zalmi, we have another uh, listener who asked, what impact does consuming dairy have on the skin? And that's something I've heard before as well. Yeah, so dairy products sometimes can make pimples worse. And mm-hmm. partly because I said, you know, when there, previously when I was doing my training in dermatology, they said, okay, diet does not play any role mm. in acne. But when I was, you know, after I completed my training and then I'm kind of like uh, doing a research on diet and acne. In fact, you know, we wrote a paper with one dietitian and we find that high glycemic index food make acne worse. So dairy products that have a high glycemic index um, with uh, lots of 
uh, whey protein, things like that, they may make acne worse. And normally I would say chocolate is okay if it's dark chocolate, mm. but white chocolate or even a milk chocolate may make your acne worse. Mm. Okay, And normally they ask me, so why is high glycemic index food? So I normally say, okay, food that may make you prone to get diabetes. Okay, like teh tarik. Teh tarik is definitely one of the highest glycemic index mm. food. So avoid things that's not healthy. Mm. <laughs> All right, that's I think sound advice for anything related <laughs> yes. to your health. Um, we have also a question related to eczema. So this um, listener says, I have dry eczema skin and for my face, I find that I can't layer products. So for example, I can't put on um, moisturizer or sunscreen after a serum because it makes my skin feel itchy. Um, what's your advice in such a yeah, case? So as I mentioned, eczema is a very sensitive skin and sometimes the products that you use, as I said, you have to really look at your products, especially those products with perfume, with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, preservatives. Uh, so, you know, you go back to your product and see what is your product. Um, if you have eczema pro, um, skin, normally I would tell, use products that is eczematous, sort of um, um, it makes for eczema skin, for example. And most of them are medically related, such mm. as you know, eucerin products, or even I mean, not that I'm, you know, have any shares in eucerin, but those are products that kind of have lots of research for eczema skin. So, you know, look at your products and then you don't really need to layer. To me, the most important thing is a simple routine. Wash and then treat. If you have eczema, treat the problem. And then after that, you know, you need to moisturize your skin. Get a moisturizer which is does not cause perfume, does not have perfumes, does not have a lot of preservatives. So normally I would prefer an eczema um, product, you know, for example, as I said, as I mentioned just now, and then after that, protect with a sunblock. So, you know, you don't really need to put serum. I'm not too sure what is the actual function of serum. Most of the time, serum is to prevent wrinkles, you know, mm. and sometimes they have retinols. And you have, you know, if you have such product, uh, ingredient, that would make eczema skin sensitive. Because mm. retinol causes a bit of skin peeling, and that's what it's for. So therefore, you know, avoid such um, ingredients. Mm. So we have another person who asked, aside from sunscreen, cleanser and moisturiser, if you would add any other things into a skincare routine. But those three are the basic ones. Yes, those are the basic. So it depends on what you have. Remember, um, Suan, you were saying that people may have dry um, sensitive. sensitive or even oily skin. So it depends what you have. If you have oily skin, you may need to add a retinol or retinoids. Okay, um, retinoids is more is a prescriptive medication. So you may need to add that at night. So you know then you add that. If you have a dry skin, then sometimes you know um, you may need to add products with a bit of ceramides in it. Okay, so um, if you have a dry skin, okay, so it depends on your type of skin as well. So not one um, cosmetic suits everybody. Mm. So remember I was mentioning it's like wash, then treat and treat maybe what you want to add on depending on your type of skin. And then, you know, you may add the moisturizer and then the sunblock. All right. Um, we'll go for a quick break now. On the show with me today is consultant dermatologist Dr. Dr. Norzalmi Azizan here to answer all your questions related to skin health and skin care. You can send us your questions. You can call us at double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp our U mobile number at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be right back after a quick break. Keep it here on Health and Living BFM eighty nine point nine. 
Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su, and you are tuned in to an episode of our Ask a Doctor series. And today, you can ask a dermatologist about your questions, um, your questions related to skincare and skin health. Um, the dermatologist in the studio today is Dr. Dr. Nurzalmi Azizan, and she's been answering quite a few questions um, that we've already gotten from our listeners already, from acne to skincare, um, and also diet, you know, the kind of foods that we consume. And we have another question um, on that um, from Cheryl. But before I get to that, you can also send us your questions. You can call us at double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also WhatsApp our U mobile number at 018-789-8899. Or you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, so Dr. Zalmi, if you have Cheryl who's asking, can collagen drinks and supplements do anything to help the skin? Because I see these products um, all the time and they claim to quote-unquote, preserve youthful skin? Well, I don't believe it is true. Okay, so first of all, I don't really believe you need to take supplements if your diet is adequate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you have to be careful about supplements because uh, sometimes this collagen, where it's coming from, it's a protein and you may be reacting to it because I do have a patient who had severe allergic reaction that needs admission and uh, we nearly lost her because she had what we call Stephen Johnson syndrome from mm. a collagen drink. Mm. So as I said, be careful about taking supplements and you know, when you lost your collagen, nothing is going to replace your collagen. Okay, I always tell my patient, even though I give you a, a, a lorry full of collagen, it's not going to get back that youthful look. You know, So what you could do is actually to prevent a breakdown of collagen. Mm. And a lot of uh, studies, cosmeceuticals has actually um, been researched. And one of it is actually retinoids, as I mm. mentioned just now, retinoids. So retinoids may not be for sensitive skin, but it's also used for acne, but it's also used um, in preventing um, or slowing the aging process because it actually... Um, will you know sort of you know inhibit the enzymes that break down your collagen, the um, uh, metalloproxenase enzymes that break down your collagen. So that is something that's been proven, but not unfortunately the collagen drinks. All right. Um, so actually, on that note, Doctor Zami, on anti-aging products, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, on my anti-aging, it depends on. As I said, first of all, prevention is always you know better mm-hmm. rather than trying to reverse aging. So prevention is. What you know we are doing now is all about healthy living. Mm. You know, prevent smoking, prevent you know things. You know, a, a diet that is harmful to you because it clogs up all your arteries and it's not getting the blood supply to your skin. So you know, a healthy lifestyle and that would actually prevent aging and prevent the whole aging process altogether, including your skin. And then do you know what about reverse the anti-aging process? So I think sometimes you can slow down the anti-aging process, and one of it is retinoids because it actually has been proven to slow down um, fine wrinkles. So that is actually what you could actually put into your regime, you know, a retinoids if you do not have sensitive skin, okay, or retinol. You know, retinol is not as good as retinoids, but retinoids is a prescriptive medication. So that's something you can look in terms of, you know, aging, to slow down the aging. What about the reverse aging process? So some people are then looking at botulinum toxins, mm. fillers and so forth. But if you need to do all these things, first of all, do your research. Mm-hmm. Okay, make sure they are from a qualified practitioner. I, you know, I can't emphasize not to go for any beauticians to do this because first of all, they do not even practice 
aseptic techniques. Mm-hmm. And I do have a lot of infections coming to us from people going to unqualified practitioners doing all these um, reversing aging processes. Mm, all right. And I'll get to the, we'll get to that in a bit talking about the red flags. Um, but for now, we have a listener on the line. Um, we have JD who's asking about back knee. JD? Hi. Hi, Doctor. Hi. Uh, good evening, uh, DJ. Hi, JD. Yeah. Uh, your uh, question? Uh, yep. Yeah, I'd like to ask about, uh, as I grow up, I, I find that my back has a back knee and I wonder uh, what makes it. Okay. First of all, JD, how old are you? I am 35 this year. Okay, so 35, we kind of like think, you know, normally bad acne is influenced by hormones, you know, normally the dihydrotestosterone, which actually make your sebaceous gland very active. That means the oil gland are very active. And the oil gland are not only situated over the face, but it's also on the chest and also on the back. So people who suffer from acne, sometimes they don't have it that much on the face, but they have it on the back. And so, you know, look at, you know, if you have suffered from back knee, so you you may want to look at things, the, your, the clothing that you wear, because if you block your pores further, your back knee will get worse. And then, you know, what are the uh, products that you use? You want to use something that sort of reduce the uh, bacteria content, you know, antibacterial um, soap may help back, back knee. But having said that, you may need a systemic treatment for back knee. It means, you know, you may need a course of antibiotics or even um, Accutane to actually combat the um, active sebaceous gland of your back. All right. Is that yeah. uh, does that answer your question? Oh, uh, very much, doctor. Just just some additional notes because I do have some. I mean, sebaceous on my neck, and I've gone through like uh, twice uh, an operation last time. Okay, okay. So, because sometimes it may be something else. You see, so a person who's got in their in their thirties who've got really bad acne, I look at them again, and whether are we missing something called hydronitis repetitiva, which is a skin condition that we may need to look at that even further. So it's good to get a consult to see whether I do you actually have something else going on. All right, that's fine. Oh. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank okay. you so much You're for welcome. calling, JD. Um, so then moving on to um, more questions that we've been receiving, Dr. Zalmi. Um, we have someone who's asking, um, what's the difference between rosacea and psoriatic arthritis in terms of the kind of rashes or inflammation that you get on the face? Okay, so one thing, um, psoriasis is, um, don't normally affect the face that much. If they do affect the face, it probably will be at your nasal label area and they're normally scaly rash. Uh, scaly, mm. these are psoriasis rash, scaly and red rash. So, um, so it's not really like rosacea. Rosacea, first of all, you would have um, the, your face looks a bit oily and then sometimes this rash worsens when you take spicy food mm. or even in the hot sun, rosacea gets worse. So rosacea, the, and then it's, you start, uh, if you have rosacea for a long time, not only you start getting red face and it looks a bit saboric, I mean saboria, which is reddish slightly and oily and then after that you start getting little bumps Mm-hmm. So you get papules and then you also get telangiectasia. Your blood vessels tend to be more prominent in mm-hmm. rosacea. And if you don't really get it treated, then you get this what we call rhinophyma. The nose will get 
uh, bulbous, you know. So, mm. so it's good to treat rosacea early so that you don't get the complications of rosacea. In arthritis, in psoriasis, is you know it's a bit different because the face is not normally affected. Normally affected at your extensor surface or at elbows, mm. your shin, your knees, and your knuckles. So there, and if you do get psoriasis, the scalp is also one of the places that's normally affected. You really get bad dandruff, but it's not a dandruff per se. It's actually scaly plaques, red, mm. irritating and hard to even... I mean, you can't really get rid of it with using head and shoulders. Mm. So the face is not commonly affected. Mm. All right. Um, they also had a follow-up question asking, why do Western medicine practitioners always prescribe steroid creams only with no long-term solution? Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, the, sometimes in eczema, um, it's a chronic disease. Chronic mm. means not to say it's serious, but it's a long-term disease. Um, it, it, and for some people are born with certain type of um, barrier defect that makes them prone to get eczema. Mm -hmm. So normally to me, you can use steroid cream if you have a flare. And one of the ways to prevent flare is actually moisturizer, which not a lot of people emphasizing a lot on for eczema skin. So I think if you have eczema, I always say moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. And the steroids is used only to control inflammation. So that's sometimes uh, people are so scared about steroids, that's because they're not using the steroid cream properly. Mm. So sometimes you get, I mean, I really have two you know, uh, patients which is steroid phobia and steroid lovers. Mm. You know, some people just love to use steroids even though it's inappropriate. Mm. And some scared to use steroids. So that's a bit different. So you have to really counsel them and tell them about the pathogenesis of the disease so they understand the disease and when to use the steroids. Mm. All right. Um, we also have another listener on the line. Um, we have Joshua who has a question about rashes. Joshua, your question? Go ahead, Joshua. Uh, actually, it's not about me. It's about my mom. Okay. My mom, uh, because she's about uh, 68, 69, and she and she has these rashes on her upper lip, and it, and the thing is that like, it'll come and go at certain times. So I, I was wondering, is it something to be concerned about, or is it just natural because of a woman her age? Well, do you um, have any other questions um, for for Joshua to ask? Yeah, um, the it comes and goes. Um, what type of rash? Because when you talk about rash, is it red, scaly? Um, rashes or is it uh, water bubbles, you know, vesicles? Is this uh, a yeah, yeah, it's a red rashes. I think sometimes it, 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 it's very irritating for her. Yeah, so, so it's All right, yeah. we'll, we'll answer your question on air, Joshua. Thank you so much. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Okay, um, so Joshua was asking about red rashes um, over the mouth of the mom that comes and mm. goes, you see. So, um, as I said, first of all, we need to look at what is it an eczema rashes. Uh, sometimes people get allergic to lipsticks. Uh, so that is allergic contact dermatitis, which is quite common in ladies, especially now with the lipsticks. Especially to me, it's the uh, long-lasting lipstick because sometimes mm. they put a bit of metal in it that makes the long-lasting effect. So some people do have contact allergic contact dermatitis. Whether that could be the case in the um, your mom, uh, Joshua. So uh, 
we need to know why she's having this, um, what type of rash first. Is it an eczema rash? If it's an eczema, then I have to go through all the products that she used, uh, including the lipsticks, even lip balm. And if it's like a water bubble, sort of, I was asking Joshua, could it be like a water bubble type of mm-hmm. rash, which do comes and goes, especially when she's stressed. And that could be a flare of a herpes infection. So, mm. you know, we need to look at that rash first. Uh, most of the time when I see lip eczema, it's due to lipsticks, lip balms and things like that. Mm, all right. Um, Dr. Zami, someone else is also asking, is using makeup on a daily basis harmful for your skin in the long run? And does it also prevent regular reapplication of sunscreen because the makeup is in the way? Well, I mean, to me, first of all, you it's good to find a makeup. They say, some makeups, they say it's organic, so it doesn't have a lot of um, preservatives and things mm. like that and parabens and, you know, so... Uh, because most of the time you wish you use your makeup and you wash off so it should not be that harmful you know because you don't leave it on forever mm. okay and it's good to use uh, makeups that doesn't really block your pores so much you need your skin needs to breathe a lot of some of the makeups especially people who work in industry um, entertainment industry they use very heavy makeup so that may be harmful uh, but if it's not too heavy slight makeup that you need to use every day to give you a bit of a low i don't think you know that caused lots of harm to you so but and you wash it off mm-hmm. and we um, say would it prevent using sunblock well a lot of the times i would tell my patients remember i said clean moisturize and uh, protect mm-hmm. so when you protect you know your sunblock comes on then your makeup comes on so it should not be a problem in you know the sunblock uh, you know uh, giving it the ex, ex some makeup even have another SPF 15, so it gives you an added protection of your sunscreen. Mm, All right. Um, We have also another question asking, is there a way to naturally hydrate skin without putting on moisturiser? As a general, you know, your skin has to be... um, Unfortunately, moisturizer is the only thing that helps in a way of hydration. Mm. Uh, the other thing, you know, obviously your whole body needs to be hydrated with water. You can't, mm. you know, if you're dehydrated, everything just shrink, you know, like prune, not just your skin. So first of all, you yourself have to be well hydrated with, you know, normally they say eight glasses of water should be okay if you don't have any kidney problems. <laughs> you know, so mm. yourself need to be hydrated. Is there any other way to, um, you know, to hydrate without um, using moisturizer? If your skin is, you know, you don't really have eczema, then it should not be a problem. If you use product that doesn't, you know, sort of stripped off the layer of uh, the oil layer of your skin. So if you use uh, soap, which is gentle soap, mm-hmm. you don't have that much suds that strips off the uh, natural oil layer of your skin. So you may not need to use moisturizer. But unfortunately, if you do have eczema skin where your skin is generally very dry to begin with, you're born with dry mm-hmm. skin, there's no other way but, you know, you need to put your moisturizer. And I don't think, like some people say, oh, what about flaxseed oil, taking flaxseed oil and things like Mm. that. I don't really think it's going to replace much of the oil layer on your skin. All right. You can keep your questions coming. You can call us at double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Um, another one of our followers on our social media page, um, Dr. Zami, asked about skincare products that they see online on on e-commerce websites or even on social media pages. Um, they say, for example, a lot of the MLMs promote skincare products, but do they actually work? And if I could add on to that, you know. 
I see these products as well being sold online. How do I know what's legit yes. and what's counterfeit? Yeah, I mean, even I do not know because mm. <laughs> it's, it's hard because there's so many mm. MLM products. And brands know? we've never heard yeah. of. So, um, most, so this is what we call cosmeceuticals, you know, and they, uh, they claim that they have some medicinal properties in mm-hmm. this cosmetics. Okay, So um, my advice is actually do your research. Okay, because now information is at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they have some brands that you haven't heard before, then you just Google it, ask ChatGPT, what is this brand, and look at the ingredients. Okay, because um, I said some products have like hydroquinone, and those things can be harmful to your skin. Okay, and some products even have mercury, especially products that we, they claim this is a whitening product. So look at the what whitening agent that they have. So my advice is, as it it's hard to know. Like as we talk, there's probably five new products coming up mm. in the social media. So um, you know you. Do your research. And normally I would advise, you know, if you know a, a brand that is reputable, you know, like um, uh, L'Oreal um, or La Roche-Posay, you know, which is reputable, that means uh, they have been uh, in the market for a long time. And that means also as well that they have done a lot of research, you know, for that product. One thing that you should know that cosmeceuticals, um, they are actually, they do not have to do research. Mm. They just have to prove that it's uh, safe. Mm-hmm. They don't have to show efficacy. Mm. Results means, over time. Yeah, they don't mm. have to show effectiveness. You see? So, but good brands, they do all this research. So some you know, products, they don't have all this research. So you should you know, be on a you know, side of concern in this type of products. So do your research. All right, we'll go for another quick break and continue this discussion. When we come back on the show with me today is consultant dermatologist Dr. Dr. Nurzalmi Azizan for our monthly Ask a Doctor segment. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su, and you're tuned in to an episode of our Ask a Doctor series, and today we are putting the spotlight on skin health. And to do that with me is my guest, consultant dermatologist, Dr. Dr. Nurazami Azizan, answering all your questions related to skincare and skin health. You can still send them in, and we will try to fit them all in before we end the show. Um, shortly, you can call us at 77332900, or you can WhatsApp us at 0. 018-789-8899. Dr. Zami, we have a listener here who's asking about um, eczema. So he says, my, uh, they say my mother-in-law has had diabetes for many years and just last year had to start insulin jabs and around the same time she developed bad eczema all around her arms. So could the eczema be caused by the insulin or the poor diabetes control? Um, the eczema Normally, in uh, elderly patients or even in patients who are not well, it's due to the medical condition. So probably to me, it's I have patients due to the diabetes because mm. people who are diabetic, especially when they start having kidney problems, they have very dry skin. Mm. So the eczema means dermatitis. And what does dermatitis mean? Inflammation of the skin. Mm-hmm. So if you have any medical condition, even hypertension, uh, and you're on lots of drugs and so forth, your skin gets even drier. 
So, you know, so that's why sometimes, you know, you're mentioning, you know, do I need to hydrate without putting moisturizer? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, moisturizer is the answer in most of these patients who suffer from chronic diseases, not just skin diseases. Mm. So, you know, so it could be due to the diabetes itself that's causing her to have what we call xerosis. Xerosis is dry skin mm-hmm. leading on to inflammation of the skin, mm. leading on to eczema. All right. Um, another listener is asking, what's the best way to eliminate scars? Okay, so it depends on what type of scars you're talking about. Um, if you have acne scars, you could have what we call rolling scars, okay? Mm. Or you could even have the ice pick scars. Those are deep scars, but they are small little scars and it's not easy to treat ice pick scars. Or some people even have hypertrophic scars or even keloidal scars. So what scars are we looking at? If they have like, you know, uh, atrophic scars, which means those are your rolling scars, your acne scars, or ice pick scars, or even uh, bone scars, then lasers would be, you know, one of the ways to treat it. If you have keloidal scars, sometimes it may not be easy to treat keloid scars. Mm -hmm. So you may need interdilational steroid injections. And sometimes I do some vascular lasers, not the normal uh, fractional lasers or resurfacing for atrophic scars, but vascular laser to reduce the vascular supplies to these scars. And then I will inject um, uh, trimcinolone, which is a steroid, into these scars. So first of all, it depends what scar we're talking about. Is it a bumpy scar or is it a scar that is atrophic or deep scars? Mm, All right. Um, Speaking of lasers, Dr. Zalmi, I want to bring up something that I've seen quite often on social media and that's people talking about Pico lasers. You know, I see people promoting it. I also see people sharing horror stories about it. Um, So what exactly does it do and and, and how can people ensure that they're going to the right person for laser treatment? So I mean, Pico um, has been the height of uh, lasers these days. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is Pico. We offer 200, uh, 299 ringgit of Pico laser, which is sometimes when people offer that sort of price, I kind of, I'm quite spe- skeptical because mm. Pico laser is very expensive. You're looking at, you know, the, when it first came out, it's about 750,000 to the buy machine. a machine, you mm. see. So, Pico means, you know, these are the lasers that gives ultra short pulses in picoseconds. And therefore, when you give them, it costs more of a photoacoustic effect. And therefore, there's no much, not much heat being generated. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, problems of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Um, post-lasers is almost... Apparently, it's almost nil. Mm-hmm. Okay, you do not get that complications where heat is generated. So, you know, there's very few machines that actually deliver picosecond lasers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you all use it to treat pigmentation, you know, problems, you know, sometimes photo rejuvenation. Uh, rejuvenation. Mm. So those are what Pico lasers are normally being used. So why are you listen, getting these horror stories? First of all, it's why what are they treating? So the diagnosis for the treatment of lasers may not be accurate. Mm-hmm. So you need to know, you know, are they using it for um, port wine stains, you know, which is birthmark. Mm-hmm. So if you use pico lasers, definitely that's not the answer. So, you know, whether are they getting accurate diagnosis for the treatment? And then the other thing is, you know, are they using, you know, um, the people who are operating the lasers, are they qualified mm-hmm. to actually deliver your laser? Should they be doctors? Well, I mean, obviously, I would think, remember I was saying the diagnosis have to be accurate. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, definitely a doctor or medical practitioner would be the person that you should go to if you want to get a laser treatment. Mm. Because the diagnosis is important before you subject the patient to or the person to any treatment. So if they get the correct diagnosis, 
pickle is the answer, then the pickle will be effective. If the diagnosis is not accurate and they do pico laser, then you would get all the horror stories. Mm, all right. Um, we also have another person asking about keloids and what can be done to stop keloid growth. Yeah. So remember I was mentioning the scars? Mm-hmm. So keloid is actually a type of scars which is a bit more difficult to treat. Uh, a hypertrophic scar normally is also a bumpy scar, but mm-hmm. normally hypertrophic scar gets better over time. But a keloid, they get even worse. They get mm. even more bumpier. Mm-hmm. So how do you treat? First of all, how do you prevent? So you, first, you need to know where are the keloidal areas. The keloid-prone areas are over your chest, the upper back, over your shoulder, upper shoulder where the, your BCG scars are, mm-hmm. and sometimes over your mandibular, you know, near your jaw. Mm. So these areas have high level of collagen being, you know, um, made and all, and they just get, you know, this overproduction of collagen. So that's why you get keloid. So avoid any procedures or picking up on you know your acne or try to um, break your acne at these areas because if you get infected acne over these areas you would get keloid and mm-hmm. how do you treat as i mentioned just now you know you may need um, injections which are steroid injections into the scars and sometimes I do offer a bit of vascular laser uh, where I work in Hospital Kuala Lumpur as well. Mm, all right. Um, we also have another question about skin tags. So why do they happen and what can be done to either remove or even prevent it? Yeah, so some people are just prone to skin tag. I think there is a genetic predisposition mm. for skin tags. We call it echocordance in medical term. And um, But normally we see skin tags where the skin rub against each other. So you get the skin being irritated and then you get skin tags. Uh, and most of the time, the skin tags are over the neck, over the um, armpit, because those are two areas of skin being rubbed or getting friction. Uh, so these are where skin tags normally found. So, you know, so if you put on a bit of weight, unfortunately, so there'll be more rubbing of two skin mm. and you get more skin tags. Mm. Okay, so try to avoid, you know, putting on weight, especially over the, you know, your axilla will start getting rubbing to each other over your neck and you get more skin tags. So how do you treat? You could either snip it, you know, with, you know, sometimes it's called snip excision with scissors, but make sure the scissors is sterile. I <laughs> mean, you just snip it. And this is done by a professional, professional. License. Medical yeah. professional. Okay, not not by uh, your um, spouse or your. Please your do wife. not do that at home. because <laughs> yes. mm. then you'll be like probably bleeding all over. Mm. So we normally either do a snip excision, and sometimes most of the time when I have skin tags, I do a CO two laser or carbon dioxide lasers for this because it's actually quite a good um, indication for CO two laser. You almost as you cut it over the laser, it just cauterizes the blood supply, so you don't really need to put out a stitch. Mm. Yeah, so uh, CO2 laser would be what I'm doing it for most of my patients with skin tags. All right. Um, we have a question here. I'm not quite sure what it is. So someone says that um, I know someone who has dermatographism. Uh, is there a cure for it? This person currently takes antihistamines. They wear clothing with low friction and avoid yeah. hot showers. Yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, dermatographism is actually a type of physical urticaria. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you scratch the person's skin or you put pressure and they break up into wheels, Mm. And that's because, as I said, their mast cell, which is that cell that uh, release the histamines, other uh, cytokines or other serotonins, uh, you know, they release all these other chemicals and then they cause the bumpiness. So unfortunately, sometimes that could be what we call one of the um, chronic urticaria. Mm. Okay, and uh, you have to be on regular antihistamines. And most of the time, over... 
a span of few years, they do get better and they may even have a cure. But it will be like in about two to three years, unfortunately, of on regular antihistamines. So what your friend is doing, which is avoid things that actually uh, causing um, damage or physical damage to skin, is one of the ways so that you, know, you don't activate this muscle cell. And obviously, um, an antihistamine, uh, regular antihistamine, is one of the answers. And um, unfortunately, it's you know, it's you know, nobody likes to take medications mm-hmm. every day. And so, but unfortunately, it's, it is a regular antihistamine treatment that we give to these patients. And for some patients who doesn't like to take medications, sometimes we need to give certain type of injections, actually, to just to dampen the activity of the muscle. Mm. All right. Um, we are going to wrap up soon. And um, before that, uh, we have someone who's asking, and I guess this links a bit to your questions about uh, to my to the question earlier about scars. So someone's asking about pores. Um, c- can you tighten or shrink pores effectively? Yes. So I mean, <laughs> every time I got this problem, you know, um, I got pores. So I say everybody every, has pores, yes. you know, because um, you have sweat pores, you know. But what do you mean by pores? Most of the time, when they say pores, it's actually what they see on their cheeks. Mm-hmm. They are actually what we call ice pick scars mm. okay so a lot of the times they probably had bad acne when they were younger so they have ice pick scars and you can tighten it with um, a fractional co2 lasers so that is a treatment and sometimes people just give a bit of heat and that would tighten a bit of the collagen and that also helps but it has to be done regularly but co2 or fractional co2 uh, is what i normally give to my patients who has um pores you know mm. or to me it's probably ice pick scars Stars. rather than pores and um, you can seek you know I mean, get advice from a dermatologist and they look at your skin first to say what actually you have what actually you need to do because sometimes it's not just doing lasers you may need to do substitutions to help your ice pick scars Mm. Um, we have another person asking, is taking antihistamines long-term safe? Yes, it's actually safe. I have patients on it for many years. You know, it depends on, as it's uh, the most the new generation antihistamine is safe and it doesn't cause you to be um, loss of attention or, you know, sleepiness. You know, there's no uh, side effects of that. Those are the new fourth generation antihistamines. Um, but having said that, you know, previously the first few antihistamines, people do get problems with even their heart rate, you mm. know, they cause tosat de you know, that was, so those antihistamines have been taken out of the market. So the new antihistamines is relatively safe, um, provided that, as I said, you know, you, you need to give it. And sometimes I, my patients with bad urticaria, I may even need to increase, you know, four folds of the antihistamines. And and I have wow. patients that have been taking it a long time because they have autoimmune urticaria. Mm. So that, you know, there's something in their blood that causes them to break into hives. All right. Um, one last question, Dr. Zalmi. Someone's asking about microneedling and whether that works. Well, um, first of all, micro. what are you using microneedling for? If you're using it for certain, you know, like very superficial scars, it actually works for mm. superficial scars. But if you're doing it for deep scars, the rolling scars, you may need to do, as I said, the substitution. You may need to go on into more heat ter- or more light therapy like lasers. So microneedling works for superficial scars and sometimes fine wrinkles may even work for microneedling. But now what people are doing, microneedling, and they put something on top 
of it. So they do the microneedling and sometimes they may add on PRPs and things mm. like that, you know, just to add on the healing process after the microneedling. Mm. So, you know, I said, first of all, what are you doing the procedure for? You mm-hmm. need to know. So it's not just it works for everybody because your scars may need something else more than just microneedling. All right. And that's all the time we have for all the questions that we've received today. Thank you so much for answering them today, Dr. Zalmi. Welcome. It's always been my pleasure to be here, Sue I've been speaking to consultant dermatologist Dr. Dr. Nur Zalmi Azizan for our monthly Ask a Doctor segment. I'm Lim Sue and this has been Health and Living BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.